welcome to the Middletown podcast. My name is Fiona McCaffrey and today I'm introducing my colleague Dee Hogan. Dee is a trainer advisor with the centre based in County Tipperary. Today Dee is speaking to Jessica Whelan about her experiences as a sibling to two autistic brothers. My name is Dee Hogan and it's my absolute pleasure today to welcome Jessica Whelan. Jessica is a sibling of twin brothers Connor and Aaron who have autism. It gives me extra pleasure because I'm a family friend and also had Connor and Aaron in my classroom in an ASD specific class in a primary school. So good morning, Jess. How are you this morning? Good, Dee. How are you? I'm good. Jess, would you just like to tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? So my name's Jessica. I'm from County Clare. I have two brothers with autism. I was four when they were born and six when they were diagnosed. They're now 13 and I'm 18. And Jessica, you're doing your Leaving Cert this year. I am. How are you managing with the studying from home? Stressful, but we're getting through it. (laughs) What are the challenges for you? I suppose just concentrating at home with having my two brothers, since they're learning from home as well. It's a bit bit of a struggle with the loudness, but you get you you get used to it after a while. And I know that your mom and your family have set up stations for you at home for learning and times for support. Yeah. And how is that working out for you and for the boys? Working out good. So I have my own space where I do my own schoolwork with the computer and then mom does the boys work with them in the kitchen. So it's a bit easier to work with than last time we were on lockdown. It was a bit more complicated back then but it's more easier now I'm more adjusted to it. So could you just give a little background of Connor and Aaron they're fabulous young teenagers. So as I said they're actually identical twins they look exactly the same but their personalities are completely different. Connor's very loud and very chatty and bossy and likes everything his own way and then Aaron's more laid back and more quiet and to himself, he would more want to play on his own than if Connor would want to you know, chat to me and stuff. Aaron likes to be in his own company. Jessica, we'll go back first to when the boys were diagnosed. And then we might just talk about that amazing award that you have won. So you were six when the boys were diagnosed with autism. So when the boys were born, I was four. And then two years later, as you said, when I was six, they were diagnosed. So I was in first class when they were diagnosed. And I didn't really understand what autism was. My parents sat me down and told me they had autism, but I didn't know what it was because I heard of no one that had it. So I didn't understand how it made them different and what makes them any more different than another two, typical two-year-old. But then when they were diagnosed, I started, I after a while they, after they were diagnosed, I did start to notice how they were different, that they weren't speaking as much as a normal two-year-old might have been. And as you as you would expect, they weren't hitting milestones like my other friends who had babies at home. And I know, Jess, that around that time that your role within the family had changed, being the only child and the little yeah. girl, the oldest girl. And your role then changed completely. Yeah. So for the four years I was on my own, I was used to being you know, the centre of attention, only me on my own, just playing with mum, being the centre of mum and dad's attention, basically. When I found out mum was having the two boys, I didn't understand how, like a normal child, you wouldn't understand how much your life would change 
that the center of attention would just gravitate to the, the baby naturally. So there was two of them. So I was the older big sister, had to grow up a little bit and show my brothers or be a role model for my brothers. But then when they were diagnosed with autism, it was almost as if like another baby came into the house. It was more that I had to grow up even more to be more because my brothers needed more attention and more care and more of my parents. They just needed my parents more than I did. And I had to be almost like a third parent to them. Because you were due to make your communion the following year, there was significant changes have had to be made to that event. Yeah. What way did that impact you, Jess? It was more we had to accommodate for my brothers to make them feel comfortable and so we could all have enjoy the days. Like my brothers couldn't come to my mass. They couldn't actually see me make my communion and I had to have a family member at home minding them, which I understood completely. I knew it was better for them to be at home in their own comfort, playing at home rather than be at a mass that they didn't want to be at or be in a room full of people they didn't want to be. But other people in my other people might have understood that, that why aren't, why are Jessica's brothers not here? As a lot of things, when I grew up, my brothers weren't attending certain things and everyone would ask, why aren't your brothers here? But I knew that they would not feel comfortable in the room and I, accepted the fact that there's things they won't want to go to and won't be able to go to, whereas other people wouldn't understand it from my perspective. And again, Jess, when it was events that both parents would attend with you, I know that a lot of the events through your life, one parent would go with you. There had to be a choice made as to who would attend those events. Yeah. I know the boys attended an event with both parents and they were asked to leave. Is that mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, it's the planning around that and how it changed it for you. Yeah. Just after the boy's diagnosis, somebody really important entered your life. Yeah. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? So when I was younger, I always wanted a dog for we had a we had a pet when I until I was four, a dog, and he passed away. And I never understood what that was I just knew I wanted another dog because I love animals myself I love pets so I was begging and pleading my parents to get a dog for five years and they're like nope because of Connor and Aaron they didn't know how they would react and if they liked animals and all that because we had no pets at home so I got a rabbit shortly before my communion as a present but it was outside in the garden one evening after my communion my uncle Paul arrived out to our house with a box and I didn't know what was in it and all of a sudden, this little head popped out and it was Pippa. Um, she was a Cavalier King Charles and she was only about eight weeks old. And she got on the floor and my dad went, we can't get rid of her now because Jess was after seeing her. And I fell in love with her. Um, so I was nine when I was gifted her and she was my absolute world. I really struggled when the boys were diagnosed. I had to grow up a bit more and I felt a bit out of place sometimes. And when Pippa arrived into my life, I got more than a pet attachment. It was like she was my best friend, like a sister to me. I gravitated to her all the time. If I was upset or I felt a bit out of place with the family, she'd automatically come over. She knew when issues like if the boys were having a tantrum and I was upset, she'd come straight to me and comfort me. 
you know, this year, when you have that significant other boyfriend, he had to pass Pippa's test. Whenever I bring someone into the house, no matter who it is, my friends, anybody, Pippa kind of confronts them. She was only a small cavalier King Charles, but she still wanted to make sure the right person was coming into the house. Now, unfortunately, I know that this has been a very difficult part of this interview for you. Pippa went to doggy heaven, the same as our dog. She passed away two weeks after my 18th birthday. She got sick shortly before it. She wasn't feeling, she wasn't herself. So about two weeks before my birthday, we took her to the vet and the vet said, you know, she's just a bit sick. I'm going to give her medication. And I then had my 18th birthday and she was there for it. And one morning I woke up, I went down to give her her medication and she wouldn't take it. She was a very obedient dog, but a friendly, obedient dog. Like if you asked her to do something, she'd do it straight away. And she wouldn't take it. I found that very unusual. So I rang my dad and I told him because I had to leave the house. She wouldn't even get up for me. So I had to carry her out to the couch where she sleeps. And I put her down and I said, look, I'll see you later. Because I talked to her as if she's a human because of the bond we had. And I left the house and two or three hours later, I got a phone call from dad to tell me he came home and Pippa had passed away. That was a great impact on me. People, Some people don't understand the bond I had with her, that it's still even hard to talk about it almost two months later and that I don't have that support anymore. The, like, the great support she gave me, it's, it's now gone. Again, Jessica... I know how difficult this is for you, but you did say that you would like just to share with other people and siblings listening the importance of having a significant other in your life to focus on. Mm -hmm. And also the difference in Karen, in Aaron and Connor when Pippa passed, particularly around their empathy. Yeah. So when Pippa, when we came home, we automatically came home straight away because I obviously wanted to say goodbye to her. So when we came in the door, dad brought me over to her and naturally I was upset and I broke down and Aaron came over to me and hugged me. Now they didn't, I wouldn't say they didn't like Pippa, but they don't, they're not particularly fond of animals. Ignat ignored her, but they didn't give her any attention. She wasn't something they wanted to give attention to like they don't have a great love for animals so I was upset naturally because they they knew how much I loved her and Aaron gave me a big hug and went Pip is gone now and I was like yeah she's gone now and then Connor went look Jessica you just need to let her go you loved her but you need to let her go because I naturally didn't want to say goodbye to her and they both just kept saying it and when we went out to bury her in our back garden they both stood there crying with me as well and they both started crying even though they didn't like Pippa and saying that we're crying because Jessica's crying because they knew how much I miss her. And that was a big change for the boys Jessica and I know it started a train of events because shortly afterwards when you were talking about going to college and going on to further education that empathy again came through that they really didn't want you traveling too far to college. Yeah, so I'm naturally applying for the CAO and all my colleges in the, in the next few days. And shortly after Pippa was Pippa passed away, I was going to meetings about what courses and colleges I should go to for the career I want to do. And I was telling Connor and Aaron, and Connor started crying because I wanted to leave. That came into mind when I 
was picking colleges that I don't want to leave home. Because you are the significant other in the home, that you're always on hand to help and you are so supportive as an older sister. And for that, I know that you have been awarded the Clare Division Garda Youth Award and you've also been awarded the National Award. And Jessica, can you just tell us how that came about? I was nominated for the award by my aunt because she just heard about it and suggested to me, look, I'm going to apply for this for you. I don't know if you'll get it, but sure, we'll give it a shot and we'll see what happens. So she applied for me because of my two brothers, naturally, and because I also have um, a sensory disability. I have a vision impairment. So when I was two, I had an accident at home, which resulted in me losing the sight in my left eye. I got a detached retina and multiple other injuries in my eye started happening. And she wanted to nominate me because of how I adapted to it and because of how I've helped my brothers and how I've coped with everything. Because it was shortly before the boys were born that my accident happened. It was, the award was for special achievement, which is overcoming difficulties in your life, which the two of those events naturally were. And she nominated me for the Claire one and I won that. And I went and got my award pre-COVID. And then I found out a week after I got my award that I was being nominated for the national awards. And then it got cancelled because of COVID because naturally the committee that decided the national awards couldn't meet up or anything. So then over the summer they did and they went through all the national uh, nominees and I was one of the I was one of the lucky 30 to win a national special achievement award. And you won it Jessica for the reasons that you stated but also because we all are so proud of you. In primary school you started a project on autism. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. When I was in, I think it was fourth class, we had to do projects on anything we wanted, any topic that interests us, we were allowed to do it on. So everyone in my class and everyone in my school knew I had two brothers with autism because I went to a very small school, but they didn't really understand it. And I understood it to my brother's extent, but I didn't understand it in a general term. So I decided to go about researching it and I did. And I made a PowerPoint presentation explaining what autism exactly is, but for the age group for 10 year olds and explaining what it entails, the different kinds of the way it can impact someone and then about my story with it and just how about autism, every bit of information I had in it, but suited to 10 year olds because it was very hard to find information on it for my age when when the boys were first diagnosed. So I wanted to make something for me to go back to and as well to explain to other people exactly what it is. So I presented it to my class and then I later presented it to the school to explain what it, what exactly it really was. And I know, Jessica, that you also provided support and continue to provide support for other siblings. Yeah, I presented it then to a sibling workshop. I presented it there as well to explain to them as well. I know that both boys initially were not speaking and to support their language development and communication development, you collected iPhones to get iPads for the boys. We found out that there was 
a project that if you collected 150 broken phones, you could get an iPad for a child with autism. My family, or the whole extended family, started doing this. And I decided to help. So I was about nine, I think, when this was. So I decided to collect phones as well. But me being a nine-year-old, I didn't know what to do. So I made a poster and put it up in my primary school. And I left a box underneath it and hoped maybe even to get 10 phones. But I actually got enough to get two iPads and extra. So we got the two iPads from the box and we gave the extra phones to another child who needed an an iPad for their learning. And the family of that other child collected phones and when they had excess phones, when they'd got their iPad, they passed them on then to another family. So you actually started a chain event. You run an anonymous Instagram account. Yeah. What do you do on that account, Jess? So it's anonymous. So <laughs> yeah, it's anonymous. Not now, Jess. <laughs> yeah. So it's, So I just put it up. I just made it because I was looking for siblings of autism accounts on Instagram when I first joined Instagram and I couldn't find many when I first joined so I just started one anonymously and I used to post on just kind of inspirational quotes about autism and advice for children of siblings with autism just things like that just to have someone know that there's Someone on the another phone that if you have a problem or a struggle like I used to, that there's someone there that's experienced and can listen and understand what you're what you're saying. We'll speak just a little bit about the new significant other. How you had to actually inform him about autism and educate him. Just give us a couple of incidences that when you'd sleep over even with your friends. So when when anyone comes in the house, so when I first went to secondary school and I met my friendship group, I found it very hard to have my friends over because everyone, my friends knew I had brothers with autism, but it's hard for someone to understand. In general, it's hard for people to understand what autism actually is because it affects everyone differently. For people to actually be introduced to my brothers in particular, it can be, I find it a very almost daunting time because you don't know how the other people are going to take it if you get me and if they'll understand why my brothers act the way they do so when I have someone come over I have to explain to them look my brother's gonna be very loud you might know what they're saying but they're just talking away to themselves don't be scared by them and I just explained that they've autism and that they just are enjoying what they're doing just to not be frightened or scared or anything and then after a while then my friends and my boyfriend got used to coming over got used to the way they are and now that's all they know them as I suppose so my brothers are very very loud so they'd make a noise almost like a toddler makes so they start screaming and they talk very fast and I can't even make the noise but when some people would stay over or someone would be in the house and all of a sudden you hear that noise starting They'd ask, do you have chickens? And I have to explain, no, it's the boy, it's the noise the boys make that I warned you about, that it comes out of nowhere and it can frighten the life out of you. Sometimes I'd be doing my homework and they'll start and it frightens the life outside of me. I know you were speaking with your career guidance teacher the other day and you were talking about your future plans. So what choices are you looking at for your future plans? So I'm currently 
looking at doing biology and ag teaching in UL because they're my two favourite subjects and I actually didn't like science in junior search, surprisingly. I loved the biology part, but I hate the rest of it. And when I went into senior cycle last year, I picked biology and ag because I thought ag would be an easy subject, but it's not. And I started doing it and they're my two best subjects and my favourite subjects. So I've always wanted to be a teacher, but I don't like Irish. So I can't, te- I can't, if I do primary school teaching, I'll hate doing the Irish part. So I decided to do secondary school teaching for ag and biology. Jessica, having brothers with autism at home came into that conversation when you were choosing your subjects. Yeah. And I think that your career guidance teacher was quite good to advise you around that. Yeah. So before I went into senior cycle, due to my condition, I'm naturally curious about the eye. And I was considering doing optometry, but that's in Dublin. So I went to my career guidance teacher and told her the two courses, the one in UL for teaching and the optometry for Dublin. And I was telling her about it. And she was very good to advise me on what what I should do for myself. That would I like to stay at home and would I like to go away? A lot of people sat me down and said it to me that would I prefer to be at home with my family or to go and pursue that career but in the last two years I've decided not to pursue optometry because I feel I'd be more comfortable teaching my two favorite subjects and that's the right career path for me. Yes and I'm absolutely delighted to hear you say that you did not fully take on board have it influence your choice that you had two brothers at home with autism that it didn't influence your choice to the degree it would have last year. I did highly consider not going because of my brothers at one point. But then when I looked into more courses, I decided that the optometry course wasn't for me, that it was a great looking sounding course. But for me, it had a lot of physics in it, a lot of chemistry. And that's the part of science I did not like, even though I would have loved to be an optometrist, the actual work involved wouldn't have been suited to me at all. It was more I love science in general, so I felt more at home going to UL because I love, I majority of my courses are actually in UL on my list. Now you're driving, so yeah. it's well within your reach, but it's just that there has been a change in the conversation in a year, Jess, because this time last year, one of your main considerations for your future was how would it impact on the boys and how would it impact on home life? Yeah. supporting the boys. And now you have changed that to actually looking at where you are best placed yourself for yeah. your needs. I was considering going away, but then when I, I was afraid that if I did go away, what would that impact on the boys and mum and dad that would they need? Because I'm almost like the third parent, as I said, but people, you wouldn't realise it. I noticed because I've been st- doing stuff for the boys since they were diagnosed. So I'd notice it. But if I left, how much would it in actually impact? Connor said that. Yeah, he got upset when I started telling him that I was considering going to Dublin because he sees Dublin as the place where the airport is, but that takes yeah. a long drive to get there. So he knew he knows how far away it is. So he was very upset when I told him, and that was a big impact on my decision. Yeah. But then I got around. I developed as you said to the idea of yeah. that that wasn't the right career for me. Again, you had to put your own needs before others. 
Well, Jess, all I can say is it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that people listening to this podcast, particularly siblings, will enjoy and listen to your experience and just celebrate your award with you and with everyone else. So on behalf of Middletown and myself, I would just like to say thank you so much, Jessica, for today. So glad now that you're forging your own pathway for Mm -hmm. you. And good luck with your future pathway. And thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm.